We gather in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. And let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us and gathering us here around your word this evening. Reminding us today that Jesus has brought us as one flock, whom he has called from every nation and from every people. Now please teach me by your spirit to speak clearly and to be faithful to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our friends, today we continue with our series uh, on the book of John, chapter 10, verses 1 to 21, that Reverend Kubuwa read just now. Um, so keep your finger on the page 1068. And in the middle of the bulletin is a sermon guide under the heading, Jesus the Good Shepherd. Now, social, uh, sociologists tell us that our importance, whether for good or for bad, can be seen in the number of times that our name is spoken of or referred to, again, for good or for bad. And I think I can believe that by just reading the morning papers or listening to the news, on, uh, TV, uh, the news channel on TV or in the radio as I drive uh, every morning. And especially during these past few months, as older names seem to fade away and newer names appear on the Malaysian scene. Now, biblically speaking, one of the most frequently used words, besides, of course, the word God, which occurs nearly 4,400 times in the Bible, one of the most frequently other words used must be the word sheep, S-H-E-E-P, translated in the English, or other words that are closely associated and having the same meaning as sheep. So words like goats and rams and ewes and lambs, or the singular form of these nouns, together with sheep occur some 550 times in the Bible. Now some of us may feel uncomfortable because I have included goats with sheep, so even when you exclude them, some 72 times of them, uh, the, the word goat from the list, the other words would still number over 470 times. Collectively, these words for sheep are used in the Old Testament to describe the animal itself and just as frequently to describe figuratively or metaphorically the human being. It's interesting to note that in the New Testament though, the word for sheep is only used once, and that is earlier in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, when John talked about the sheep being together with the oxen and the pigeons being sold and bought at the temple when Jesus came for his first Passover in Jerusalem. In all other New Testament cases, typically in Jesus' teaching, sheep metaphorically describes fallen humanity, a little silly, if you like, easily led astray, lost, weak, unprotected, and needing to be rescued from sometimes quite ridiculously uh, silly uh, circumstances. So sheep, friends, whether in reality or speaking figuratively, need a shepherd. So when we come to today's passage in John 10, verses 1 to 21, we find this theme being developed in Jesus' teaching of himself as the Good Shepherd. Let's find out more. Uh, please turn with me to page 1068 as we uh, go into 
verse 1 of chapter 10. Let me read that to you. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the shipfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now Jesus at this point in history was still in Jerusalem, attending one of these three great annual feasts of the Jews. Uh, this one being the Feast of the Tabernacle or Booths that began this long uh, uh, record of him attending, uh, starting from John 7, verse 1. And last week we saw in chapter 9 the tension between the Jewish leaders and Jesus escalating, going more and more serious and heated up. And uh, this happened even over such a good thing as Jesus healing the man who was born blind. You see, friends, so stubborn were the Pharisees and so intent on bringing Jesus down that they chose to be blind and to reject Jesus. Now, the Bible describes kings and other leaders as being shepherds for their people who are under their charge, their flock of sheep, in other words. And these Pharisees, the spiritual leaders of their people, should have been very happy for the blind men who could now see. If they had been true shepherds of their people, they would not have been blinded by their jealousy and so reject Jesus. Jesus calls them thieves and robbers, those who enter the shelter of the ship by stealthy ways like climbing up over the walls of the shipfold and not, and not entering via the gate of the shipfold. Let's see what is the importance of going via the gate of the shipfold. In verse 2 to the first part of verse 3, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. And in Jesus' time, friends, a few shepherds normally would just gather together and share a fenced enclosure where they would keep their separate flocks at night together. They would then share the expense of hiring a gatekeeper to watch the enclosure, especially the entrance door or the gate. And this gatekeeper would not open the gate to anyone besides the shepherds who would come in the morning to take their respective flocks out for, for pasture early in the morning. Now, since there are so many uh, different flocks together, two questions immediately come to our mind. The first one is, how would the sheep know which shepherd to follow? And the second uh, question is, how would each shepherd recognize his own flock? Well, firstly, let us look at the second part of verse 3. The sheep hears his voice. Now, friends, because we all live in an urban uh, environment, it may be hard to imagine that a silly sheep would recognize his respective shepherd. But across pastoral communities throughout the world, shepherds are known to develop their own individual and characteristic calls and tones to which their sheep would respond. And there is this deeper implication here that this sheep belong to this shepherd. They know him and they will answer his call. Now to our second question, how would each shepherd recognize his own flock? Doesn't sheep all look the same? They do to me. And again, we speak from an urban viewpoint. But during Jesus' time, each Near Eastern flock would typically consist of about 100 sheep or slightly more. And read what the next part of verse 3 says. He calls them he calls his own sheep by name. Jesus gave the answer to our question. 
The shepherd knows his own sheep, each one of them, by their individual name. The significance of this part of the passage is that the shepherd knows each one so intimately and so well that he can call them even by their own names. Sheep that looks alike to us, looks the same to us, whichever one you pick up, the shepherd knows each by his own name. Now to the last part of verse 3, continuing to read verse 4, we read this. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And now again, speaking as a person that is born and bred in the city, uh, I have thought, I've always thought the sheep were driven out to pasture by the shepherd using his stick to whack their backside or sending his dogs, sheep dogs, to go and chase them and bite their flanks so that they go out through the gate. And then the same method being used uh, to drive these sheep back into the fold. The, the shepherd will hit the rump with, the, uh, with his stick. All the dogs will go and bite them and uh, send them into the fold by night and the gate will be closed. I always thought that. Apparently, modern shepherds do even better. I read recently that sheep are being herded in parts of New Zealand, Britain and North America by using the new generation of drones. Now imagine this, these lazy uh, shepherds sitting in their air-conditioned trucks with the remote control in their laps and herding their herds across the fields. I wouldn't mind a job like that if it's true, if this report is true. Maybe we will get to see this on National Geographic one of these days if these reports are true. But what did Jesus say in our, in our passage? Not this shepherd. Not this shepherd. This shepherd goes in front of his sheep and leads them to pasture and to water. He will be the first to face any danger that might appear in the early morning. And the next verse tells us that the sheep would not let strangers approach them. And it is a well-known fact that when sheep are sold, they would reject the new owner until they learned his call. They would even butt him with their heads in order to try and push him away and escape from him. Verse 6 says, Jesus' figure of speech, in other words, his teaching, re-emphasizes what he has said before at the end of the last chapter. Those who claim that they can really see the truth are really blind to the truth in Jesus. The leaders could not understand because they were not of his flock and did not know his voice. For they have shut their eyes and their ears to him. Well, the next four verses from 7 to 10 shows Jesus focusing on the key aspect of his caring protection by leaving the previous scene he has uh, painted of the um, shipfall at night. He now describes himself as the gate or the door of safety and nourishment. In verse 10, or in verse 9, let me read that to you. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out to find pasture. Jesus is the door or the gate through which the sheep will enter to safety. And he is the gate through which the sheep will go out to find nourishment. He continues in verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Our Jesus has come so that in Him, His followers would find life as it is meant to be, lived to the fullest, secure and sure in Jesus' promises, filled to the fullest, free from the fear of destruction and death that false prophets would bring about. In verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who gave up his life so that his sheep can live. And again, he tells us that he is the personal and loving saviour who cares for his people, while the hired hand in the following two verses, 12 and 13, will run away when danger approaches, leaving the helpless sheep to be consumed uh, by the wolf, to be scattered by the wolf at the mercy of the wolves because this hired hand has no personal relationship with his charge, the sheep. Jesus said again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And this intimate and loving relationship between Jesus and his people, he explains, is a reflection of that most intimate relationship between him and God the Father. Verse 15, Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, he came to die for his people, to take the sin upon himself, so that they can be reconciled with God the Father again. And friends, you know what? We are very comforted because it is not only for the Jews that Jesus has come to save. Verse 16 says this, And I have other sheep that are not of his fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, friends, we are those sheep from the other sheepfold, and he is our shepherd too. For we too hear him calling to us and we respond as we put our trust in him and we too follow him as he leads us to safety and an abundant life under his love and care in the here and now and looking forward to the life to come where, he, where we will share in his glory and bask in his loving care forever and ever. In verse 17, For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Remember how Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was in agony, praying to God his Father that his cup of suffering could pass from him, but not as he wills, but as the Father wills. In Luke chapter 22, where he was in such agony <clears throat> that his, <clears throat> that his sweat drops from his brow like great drops of blood onto the ground. But when all is said and done, when he has got the answer that he wanted, he rose from his prayers and resolutely went forward to face his accusers, to suffer their torture and their humiliation, and to suffer and die in excruciating pain on the cross. God the Father loves the Son because though Jesus was so much tempted not to suffer, the shame, the pain, and the curse of the cross, he nonetheless went to the cross in total and complete obedience to the Father. And in that single act, defeated sin and death as he rose again in the resurrection three days later. Now, friends, 
Jesus tells us that he did not die meaninglessly on that cross at the mercy of mere human beings like those who put him on the cross. He says here in verse 18, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He died to demonstrate that it was in accordance to the divine plan of the triune God that was put in place when humanity sinned against God in the Garden of Eden. A charge from the Father, as God has promised in Genesis 3.15, that the seed of woman would crush the serpent's head, though his own heel would be bruised in the process. Friends, Jesus came into the world, the divine God the Son, who became a man so that men could be made right and be reconciled once again with God. And so to the final three verses of our passage, we see how um, the uh, Jews were divided in their reactions to Jesus. Now, this is the third time that John records this division in the seven days uh, of the visit of, Jerusalem, uh, of Jesus to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles that I mentioned just now that began on chapter 7. The first one was in 7 verse 43. They were divided on whether he was a prophet or he was truly the Christ. And if he was truly the Christ, whether the Christ would possibly have come from the area of Galilee. And in chapter 9, verse 16, they were divided because since Jesus performed a miracle of healing on the Sabbath, he has broken the law, so he must be a sinner. While others say sinners could not perform such great acts of power. And here again in our passage, hostilities between the Pharisees once again created a division among the people. Uh, there were those who refused to believe in him and totally reject him, even labeling him as insane, while others believed there might be more, much, much more to this man. There's such tremendous power as giving sight to the man who was born blind could not have come from a demon. And that, my friends, does not only happen, did not only happen during Jesus' time, it happens every time. And to this day, as Jesus is proclaimed in the world, some will revile him, while others would hear his voice calling, calling to them and will respond in a positive manner. Just a few weeks ago, a foreign student that I spoke to insisted and insisted again that Jesus was just a prophet sent by God and not God. That Jesus did not die on the cross, but at the last moment was taken up by God. Now friends, that position is not defensible because Jesus claimed to be God the Son. Jesus claimed to come down to earth to die for the sins of the world so that those who believed in him would be saved. Either what he claims is true or Jesus was not telling the truth. He can't be both at the same time. If we say that we accept that he is God's prophet, then he must be sent from God and he must be speaking God's words to us. So what he claims must be true because it is coming from God. But if we believe 
that he is coming from God and what he says is true, then he must be much, much more than a mere prophet. He must be what he claimed to be, the Son of God who came down to earth to give his life so that those who believe in him would be saved. And that same division, friends, among the Jews that we saw in our passage, that God recorded, will continue in this world for all time until our Lord returns for us. And so, friends, as we come to the end of our passage, I'd like to conclude with three questions for each one of us. The first question is, do we truly know that Jesus is the Good Shepherd? Sadly to say, to this day, a large number of God's ancient people, the Jews, do not want to recognize Him and to follow Him. In the same manner, a large proportion of the world's population, even those who have the gospel message proclaimed to them long, long before the gospel message was proclaimed to us, such people have chosen to reject Him because they do not know His voice and do not recognize Him as their Good Shepherd. But Jesus said in our passage, I know my own, and my own know me. We are his sheep. And when Jesus calls us, he calls us by our very name. We do not fear what lies beyond the secure sheep hole, even when, because even there, he is with us. Among the troubles of the world, the temptations of the world, the dangers of the world, Jesus is there. So we need not fear. But the false prophets, do be beware of them. They come among us as wolves in sheep's clothing to fatten themselves. We will know them through what they teach us. So we must stay clear of churches and pastors that do not follow the biblical teaching and they do not teach and we must uh, avoid them, those people who, don't, who do not teach that Jesus is Lord and Saviour, the Good Shepherd, who laid down his life for us. Now the second question, what can we do for the good shepherd's sheep that are in other sheepfold? Well, friends, Jesus' work for us must go beyond what is laid down in the church seasons of Lent, Good Friday, and Easter. Hear what he says in our passage. He says this, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Son of God came down to be born as man. He grew up fully human. He suffered the pain of rejection from those He had come to save. He was crucified for us. And on that cross, He died so that all His sheep may live. Our friends, that should propel us to tell everyone about the Good Shepherd who lays, his, who lays down His life for His sheep. We must reach out to the, His sheep from the other sheepfold, for he had come for all his sheep from all peoples and gathered all over from all nations. I would urge you to start today, if you haven't done so, and join one of our many ministries, reaching out to those who really need the gospel message desperately, the gospel, the message of the Good Shepherd, very desperately. You can engage in one-to-one -one ministry, or you can engage in Christianity Explored or Life Explored, which is coming up. You can involve yourself with Guest Night or the University and Colleges Fellowship. There's so many of them. Do join one if you haven't started to join one of these ministries. That's the second question. The third question is, 
Have we truly taken up Jesus' offer of life? And to answer this question, we can actually do a self-check whether we are letting Jesus lead the way in all our life, how he shows us to live our life and live it abundantly, free from fear and free from temptation, or whether we are still so obsessed with the temptations and the uh, lights and glamour of the world, not trusting completely in his promise to provide for us. We still preoccupy ourselves with the clutches of riches and fame. Now, friends, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with working for a living or um, uh, wanting to go up in our profession or providing for ourselves adequately or for our loved ones or to provide for the, the society around us and others. But to do so and to neglect to serve Jesus and each other in the church community or to meet together as his fold of sheep must mean that somehow what Jesus has promised us is simply not enough. But friends, as Jesus were to say in a later passage in John 14, he will go and say this, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says that he is the only way, all other ways of living, all other ways of trying to go to God are false. So trust completely in him, in the here and now, and on his return, enjoy an eternity with him in heaven. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for opening the message to us this, this evening from John 10. We give you thanks that you have shown us that your Son, Jesus Christ, is indeed a good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. We thank you that you have gathered us from all the shipfalls across all people and all nations. So we pray too, Lord, that you will grant us the strength of your spirit, to guide us and to mold us to be more Christ-like, even as we seek to obey him, to hear his call, and to follow in his footsteps. In Jesus' name we pray.